Welcome to Threshold Church. Today's message is from Justin Rule. You know, uh, something the Lord's convicted me of over the last 14 years is that to become that which God calls you to be, you need to begin to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable. When you're comfortable, you stay where you're at. All is good. When you step out of where you're used to being, familiarity, familiar surroundings, familiar people, familiar sayings, a familiar language, you become uncomfortable, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I felt like when we walked in and the air conditioning was off, the Lord was just saying, Justin, I'm going to teach my body today to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Amen? Because I don't want to stay where I'm at tomorrow, where I'm at today. Is anybody else with me? Guys, this will probably be like a conversation. So I release you to be amen and uh-huh and oh, yes. That might be not be your church background. I grew up Plymouth Church of the Brethren, closed congregation. That wasn't my background, fellas. But now I'm free in Christ, and so we can have a conversation. I'm going to pray again. Holy Spirit, I know what it's like to be bound in chains. I know what it's like to be bound by lies. I know what it's like to feel the hopelessness of the struggle against sexual sin. I know what it's like to hurt people because of my sin. I know what it's like to hurt you, Lord. I know what it's like, God, to feel like the only thing that there is is just to struggle less, God. I know what it's like to fall for just the the message of victory, struggle, victory, struggle. But God, thanks be to God. Through the grace of God, I know what it's like to be a free man walking in freedom. And so, Lord, I'm praying by your spirit. God, I don't want to speak anymore today. I want your spirit to speak through me. I have plans, God. I've written this out seven times. But I don't want to have my plans, God. I want you to direct my steps, Lord. God, I've got words, but I want your word to go forth. That it would not return void, God. That it would separate and divide the bone and the marrow, the the spirit and the flesh, Lord. God, I'm not desiring that I would get fans today. I'm desiring, God, that I would honor you, Lord. I'm not trying to get people to like me, God. I'm trying to get people to love you, Lord. God, I want the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I invite it now to fall right now. And I declare that there is freedom. There is light. Some of you walked in today in darkness, but there is a great light that has come. Some of you walked in in chains And I break in the name of Jesus the chains of the enemy in the name of Jesus now. I open in the name of Jesus your ears. Father, open their ears in the name of Jesus. Open their eyes. May deception break now in Jesus' name that they would be able to hear and see and understand who they are in Christ and what you have set them free for. 
I think that's amen. I can't remember if I stopped in the middle of that or not. Eleven twenty-five. Let's just get real. Let's jump in the deep end, all right? Why wait in the shallow end? See, and by the way, so there's any children? Okay. Guys, I'm just going to give it to you straight. There's no point in anything less than the truth. Listen, at age seven, I was exposed to inappropriate, found inappropriate pictures. Curiosities led to curiosities. By the way, if you didn't know, if I didn't say, <laughs> this message is about freedom from sexual sin. This message is about the more that God has for you. See, when I was young, I was exposed to sexual sin and perversion of, of my own mind and my own desires and my own curiosities. I was raised in a God-fearing, Jesus-loving home with people that, and parents that love Jesus, brothers and sisters. That led to pornography. That led to confusion. That led to self-gratification. That led to a double life. Because who wants to raise their hand and say, you know, and wave the flag and say, hey, mom and dad, these are all the things I'm wrestling with, struggling with, things I'm doing, things you don't know. No, we let a, lead a double life. We put on a mask so that people can believe you're one thing, when in reality your heart is darkened and, darkened and love with another thing. I wanted to believe that there was more, but all around I looked, I just heard a, a gospel of a victory struggle, victory struggle. And this message isn't just for men. This message is for women, too. This message isn't just for single men. It's for married men. This message is for hope, for the captives, that there's more. All I heard was about struggling less. What's the point? If I got 500 pounds to lose, what's the point of losing 400 if I got 500, if I got, you know what I'm saying? If I'm struggling and I made a, and, and the gospel is that there's only a, if I'm on one to ten, ten's freedom, brother, just work really hard and you're going to get to a seven. Who wants to do that? I'd rather stay at two. Or vice versa, however that analogy would go. I was so selfishly motivated my whole life. And when I met a woman I later married, when we were in dating, I was like, yeah, pornography, yeah, I struggle with that, like every man does, obviously. I didn't expose the depth of, of, the, of what was in my heart to her. When we got married, I brought that into marriage. Single men, marriage won't solve the problem of gratifying yourself. Marriage won't make you stop looking at another woman with lust in your heart. I'm sorry. That's the truth. So I'm not sorry. I became very verbally attacking, physically controlling to my wife in my marriage. I told her it was just, this is, pornography is normal. This struggle is normal. I tried books, man. I read the books, man. Every man's battle, not even a blank. Man, I was bouncing my eyes like this. You know what I mean? If you try the systems of the world, they will always leave you in the world. I was trying to defeat Goliath on Goliath's terms. You know, 1 Samuel 17, Goliath says, hey, send me a man that we can fight. And for 40, send me a man that we can fight. 
And some of us are trying to fight Goliath as a man when God wants to send a boy with a sling. We're trying to fight Goliath with Saul's armor. What did David say when he put Saul's armor on him? Get this off me. That's my version. It says, I can't use this. I haven't tested this. Stop trying to fight Goliath with Saul's armor. Brothers and sisters, if you want new life, you need a new wine skin. The question is this. Do you believe that there's more than constant struggling in captivity over sexual sin? Do you believe there's more than constant struggling? Israelites asked God the same question. And you know what God did? He sent a deliverer. See, for me, porn and and masturbation, and yes, I just did say masturbation in church, and yes, it is not of the Lord, and yes, pornography is not of the Lord, neither is promiscuity, neither is adultery, neither is lusting after other women, other men, neither is those things that God would call unholy. They're not in the kingdom of God, so why are we accepting them in our church? So I found myself in a parking lot, In New York, third year of marriage, justifying the struggle as normal. And I'm on the phone to my wife, who knew a little bit about my pornography problem and knew that I was in a hotel out of town on business, and she should probably ask me, hey, were you stupid? Did you look at pornography? And I know exactly where I was in my cool neon Standing next to my neon, I think it was. And she said, hey, did you look at pornography? I said, no. I had just done what I always do, break into people's hotel rooms. See, sin is not passive, brothers and sisters. It is pervasive. It is invasive. It does not stay where you want it to in the nice little box. It doesn't stay on a computer screen. I can testify it leads to promiscuity. It doesn't stay just in a magazine. It leads to criminal things. It leads to breaking into hotel rooms to look at pornography on other people's computers and and other people's uh, TVs just so you don't get caught. Yeah, that should mess you up. Because you know what I would do on Sundays after my Saturday adventures in sin is go lead worship and youth ministry. It's called hypocrisy. Standing in the car, my wife says, look at pornography. I said, no. Right away, my tooth in my mouth shattered, and I heard the voice of the Lord. How many of you, you hear the voice of the Lord speak to you, you're going to listen? I'll tell you what I did in a second. But God spoke my identity. If you are struggling with sexual sin, you don't understand who you are. It starts with knowing who you are. The Israelites in captivity, they knew themselves as slaves. But in a moment, 
They were set free, and free became their identity. See, your identity in Christ, contrary to what the world systems teach you, is based on who he says you are. Not who you choose to be, not who someone told you you were, not someone who manipulated you to feel like your identity in Christ is who he says you are. Not this once an addict, always an addict, bullcrap. I did say crap in church. Because God takes crap and makes it beautiful. Do you disagree? My life's a testimony. I bet your life's a testimony. God takes dead things and brings them to life. It starts with knowing who you are because shame and condemnation will tell you that you're somebody that God has not called you. If you have a revelation of who you are in Christ, it establishes your identity. See, the world will tell you to understand who you are, you better untangle some nets. I'm not going to ask who's been in counselor's offices for years, paying them a lot of money to try and untangle their nets. When my Bible says in 2 Corinthians that if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become. It doesn't say like new. Some of us are believing a gospel that says if I'm in Christ, he makes me like new. All those things I did, all the stuff I messed up, all those words I said, all those people I hurt, he's just going to clean around, scrub off, make it like new. He doesn't make it like new, brothers and sisters. He gives you a new mind and a new heart. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Stop believing the lie. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's your identity in Christ. You are free. The slaves were slaves. And in a moment, in an instant, they were free. He doesn't untangle your nets, brothers. He gives you a new one. He doesn't clean up your clothes. Read Zechariah. He gives you a new one. In Zechariah, my son Jude came to me the other morning. You following me, okay? My son Jude came to me the other morning and highlighted, the, he has a salty Bible, and he highlighted these these things that Salty says in the Bible. And one of them was in Zechariah. He's like, Dad, I like this part. I'm like, well, that's the Salty part. That's not the, like, Bible part. But I look what he'd highlighted. And he highlighted in Zechariah. I've been a Christian for a little bit, y'all. Never read this verse. Zechariah 1. And, and uh, Josh, I think it's Joshua is standing before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, is standing there. And he says, look at this one with his filthy clothes. And God says, I rebuke you, Satan. This is a brand that has been plucked from the fire. Get him new clothes and put a new robe on his head, a turban on his head, a new robe on him. See, God doesn't come to clean up clothes, brothers. He ain't in the laundry business. He's in the transformation business. Some of you need to know who you are in Christ. And it's not who someone else told you or you told yourself you were. Back to that parking lot. I heard the Lord speak. I think you're going to be surprised as I was as what he, at what he said. He didn't say, Justin, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is who you are. He didn't say, Justin, you are clean. Walk in your new identity. If 
I was believing, follow me, follow me. Man, the Lord wants you to know this. If that was a lie I was believing, that I was dirty and I was messed up and whatever, I wasn't believing that lie. I was fine and awesome in my mind, in Justin's world. So God had to tell me the truth. Some of us believe that you're nothing, that you're dirty, that you're messed up, and that God, you know, He's forgotten you. And the truth of your identity is that you're free and that you are a son and that you are his favored son and that he loves you. So I'm saying that to you. If you need to hear it, you know what I heard? You know what the Lord said to me? My tooth shattered. Justin, that's exactly how I see you. You're whitewashed on the outside and rotten to the core on the inside. He asked my wife, she's back there. If that happened to you, you'd probably say something to your wife on the phone you just lied to. But after 20 years, brothers and sisters, of living a lie, in a hardened heart, harder than Pharaoh's, I said, kept the lie, hung up the phone. But God begun to tell me who he saw me as. Some of us think that knowing your identity in Christ, you are absolutely free. That's who he calls you to be. But from where you're at to where he's called you, who he's called you to be, some of you might need to hear a different truth. Because the truth is also this. The same one that softens the heart of stone and replaces it with the heart of flesh is alive and well now and here. So I don't care how long you've been in it. I don't care how long, if it's been a day, a week, a month, years, decades. God has a new name for you. That you're a new creation. But the identity is where it starts. See, when the Israelites were set free and no longer captives and no longer slaves and now free, now what? Because free, just knowing your identity is not the end of the story. Galatians says this, it was for freedom you were set free. But the church is dying in the wilderness. The modern day church, our American church is dying in the wilderness, content to be free and no longer slaves, but yet not believing God for the promise of freedom. If you don't believe it, look around. Think of the last time, if you're a struggling man, that you had a conversation with someone else who was struggling and they just pacified and rationalized and normalized your struggle. It's okay, brother, been there too, man. Yeah, da, da, da. There's grace. Brothers and sisters, that is not the destination. Do you have to go through the wilderness? Yes. But that's to, to, to go to the promised land of freedom. Where struggle dies. We'll get there in a second. And I did just say that. Where struggle dies. Amen, amen. See, for me in my process then, when I started going through my wilderness, I, I, I started getting involved with this ministry called Pure Life. They basically forced me to get in the Word of God every day. And before I would then go to youth ministry, I would get mad at my counselor dude who talked to me on the phone about Scripture, tell him after I hung up, tell my wife what a chump he was, and then go put on the mask. But God, who is rich in mercy through his great love, that he loved us. Can you turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 8? You know what? You can turn there. Write it down for me. I'm not going to wait for you to turn there because I can't wait to tell you this. 
For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. That the requirement of the law might be filled so that we don't walk according to the flesh but to the Spirit. The process in the wilderness, brothers and sisters, is learning how to put to death the flesh and to walk by the Spirit. I was drowned in the Word of God, kicking and screaming. As in, I didn't, I wanted to normalize the struggle. Why don't I just go back to Egypt? Where is the food? Why isn't this comfortable anymore? Were we really set free for freedom? Look at the giants over there. Are you following me? God's providing manna. He's doing miracles. We're fighting and winning some battles anyway. Isn't this good enough? Isn't this struggle just part of normal? When you're in the wilderness, the world will get you into sin management. When you're in the wilderness, the world system will get you into sin management, behavior modification. I'm going to say what I said at the beginning, brothers and sisters. The church is dying in the wilderness because we're not believing God for the promised land that he set us free for. We're becoming complacent with living lives of struggle. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. That's a nice way to say it. The process, struggling is part of the process, brothers and sisters. I'm not throwing stones at the struggle. I'm challenging you whether you're just complacent in your areas of struggle, calling it normal. See, I had to learn to die to self. Hebrews, but see, but this is the thing. The world's going to tell you step by step how to die to self. It's like we're giving tours now. And tours is the same word as tours, according to my wife. But I say tours because I'm from Ohio. We're giving tours now. Hey, you struggling with sin, sexual immorality, masturbation, confusion? Hey, sign up here. We're going to go here, then we're going to go here, and Joshua stepped here, and then Caleb stepped here, and then we went here, and then we took a left, and then there was a Red Sea, and then we dropped through it, and then there was these wells, and then, boop, we get to freedom. Twelve steps to freedom. I did just throw that stone. Twelve steps. I'm sorry. Because what we want is steps. What we want is process. What we want is pathways. In our modern day America, we want a comfortable path that doesn't really mess me up, that keeps me looking good and pretty, to die. To self. See, I bet. Let's do it. How many of you are afraid? How many are not afraid to die? Raise your hand. Not afraid to die. Not afraid to die. You die, you know where you're going. You're not afraid to die. Raise your hand. Again, if you've got some opinions on how you die, raise it. Come on, let's be honest. Everybody does. Please, Lord, not, and I don't even want to make light of, because uh, I know. 
That's what we've been saying to the Lord. Oh, die. Yes, die to self. And he says, okay, well, this is my, this is what it needs to look like for you, Justin. These are names tags you need to take off. We're like, oh, let's take that one off. But God, if I take that one off, I step off that team. If I'm not involved with that thing, then people start to wonder, hmm, what's going on with Justin? Are you feeling me? Are you hearing him? We've got opinions on how we die. And we say, Lord, as long as it's this way and it goes then or left then or right, and you keep me all intact, brothers, that's not biblical. I'm sorry. That's not biblical. God loves you enough. He paid enough to have all of you. He wants all of you. In Hebrews 12, too, and this is, this is just my passion, this is my, this is my testimony. Because I tried 20 years of two steps and 12 steps in this book and that conference and his thing and this trigger map and this response plan and this accountability buddy group. That's what I call them if you get to know me, accountability buddies. Because they're usually soft and cuddly, but the word is not. Because Hebrews 12, 2 gives us how we get through the wilderness. If you want to know how you get through the wilderness, say amen. The wilderness, the struggle, that process of putting to death the flesh. Hebrews 12, 2 says, if we gaze on him, we become like him. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 says, throw off every weight that entangles and fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. The psalmist said in Psalms 27, 4, One thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I dwell in the house of the Lord forever and gaze on His beauty. That's called intimacy. And we want one night stands. You're expecting the fruit of intimacy with the Lord when you've been having a one night stand. I say that in love. By the way, I should have started at the beginning, man. Loud don't mean angry. Loud means love for me. Are you expecting the fruit of intimacy when all you've been giving the Lord is one night stands when it feels right? Because intimacy, gazing on him, falling in love with him. Someone asked me once, Justin, well, why don't you struggle with sexual sin anymore? Is it because you're so disciplined? No, because I have a new lover. Because I'm a lover. If you're listening to or following a book that says that you should be a struggler and embrace the process of being a struggler, brothers and sisters, I'd, I would suggest to you kindly that that's not biblical. That God calls us to be a lover. And when you love Him with your heart and your soul and mind, the things of earth indeed grow strangely dim. Strangely dim. The world doesn't understand the foolishness of God. Just gazing on you, I become like you. Really? Yeah. But I thought I'd just stop doing this thing, thing, thing before I was then acceptable to be then going before you. How many of you are believing that? You've been asking God, like a brother told me when we started our broken free ministry. He said, are you following me? Am I talking too fast? Are you good? 
A brother told me when we started the Broken Free Ministry, man, Justin, I kept asking the Lord to take away my addiction to pornography. I kept asking them the Lord, and, he, and then the Lord one day told me, brother, stop asking me to take away. The, uh, my, my Jesus talks like brother. That's just what happens. He said, the Lord said to me, Brother, stop asking me to take away your addiction to pornography. There's a lot of people who don't have an addiction to pornography who have no idea who they are in Christ. But if you know who you are in Christ, and you are in love with the Master, Jesus Christ, trust me, you won't have an addiction to pornography. So if you find yourself in the struggle, maybe you just need to be real for a moment and say, who do you love? Because no man can serve two masters. He either hates the one and loves the other, or loves the one and hates the other. I don't have time to tell that story. I'll tell it. I'll tell it. See, I had to come to grips with that. Because I began to understand my identity in Christ as I soaked in his word. But I was loved enough by a brother who told me, hey, Justin, you love Jesus? Yeah, dude, I do, man. I love Jesus. I was tired of sexual sin. I know what it's like, brothers, to be tired of sexual sin, confusion. I know. I know some of you in this room know. And this brother said, Justin, you love the Lord? Yeah. So you like, tell me, man, like, like stay up all night just pursuing him? This is, when I was, this is when I was deceived and in sin. This is the beginning of my process. You stay all night? I'd stay up all night with the Lord? No. I go to sleep, but you, you, so you get up early with the Lord? No. I mean, not really early. Five minutes. Do you come home from work early to like get with the Lord? No. You take a lunch break to give the Lord? Oh, you skip work because you're just lost with the Lord. Oh, I go to work. I'm a good kid. You're like, spend your money and who cares if it bounces on the Lord? What is this guy on? Hmm. You did all that for pornography. Maybe you just don't really love the Lord. You love sin. Oh, I slammed down that phone and I said how stupid he was and went away. But truth, the seed planted that God will water. Amen. Let it be, Lord. So can I talk to you about freedom? Because <laughs> that's the hope of the gospel. That's what I didn't know when I was in chains of sin and I didn't know who I was. But then I began to go through this process. And I had a wife who wouldn't allow me to settle on the plains of Kadesh. I had to look it up. That's what it's called in the wilderness. The plains of Kadesh is where they then doubted the promises of the promised land. And my wife said, no, there's got to be more. I am going to pursue the Lord for all he has for me. I'm going to believe the Lord for all he has for my marriage. And she stood in a gap and she prayed. Yeah, you don't know what she went through. But I was set free for freedom. And there came a time in my life after, I don't know, six, nine months of just being drowned in the word. And at some point I was like, 
wait a second. I haven't done A, B, C, D, E, F, or G lately. I haven't even thought about H, I, J, K, L, M, N, I haven't thought about that. What is going on here? Because I expected the white knuckle struggle the rest of my life, just hopefully making the right choice. And this is the gospel, brothers. This is the gospel, sisters. This is what you were set free for. Freedom is the death of the struggle. Scripturally, it's the death of the struggle. Galatians, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ in me. Tell me something. Is Christ struggling? Did Christ struggle? Just careful. Did Christ struggle when he was tempted? See, I didn't say, follow me. This part's a little complex, but follow me. Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you release grace to hear and understand this? Freedom is the death of the struggle, but it's not the absence of temptation. In Scripture, it doesn't say the temptation's ever removed. Hmm. Holy Spirit, would you wake up? Wake up, slumbering spirit. Speaking to your spirit, man. Wake up. Listen, temptation isn't removed, but the struggle dies. Something is tempting to you if it's something that could resonate with your fleshly man. But whether or not you are submitted to the spirit or whether you're living by the flesh depends whether you struggle or not. Jesus in the wilderness, Satan says, come eat that, jump this, go there, I'll put a crown here. You follow that? You remember that story? Led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be what? Tempted. Do you think Jesus was like, ooh, I don't know, Satan. Panera bread? Is it Panera bread? Because that bread, I'm really hungry. Do you think he was struggling? No. So why do you rationalize the struggle? A life submitted to the Spirit is not struggling with temptation. It's not the absence of temptation. It's the absence of the struggle. The church doesn't know that. We don't understand that. We say, yeah, I was tempted today. You, you think I was like, oh, uh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe. Mm. No, it's just honest. It's, it's realizing that there's things that resonate with the flesh that go by, drive by, fly by, pop up, as someone said earlier. But no, that's not who I am. Look, you can't wake up a dead man and tickle him. Things of the flesh, you're dead. I'm dead to sin. Grace, Titus says, grace empowers us to say no. It's not of my own works. It's by grace, brothers and sisters. The grace of God empowers us to say no to ungodliness. The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. You brothers and sisters, if you haven't repented because you understand what you actually deserve, and you repent from the sinfulness of sin, then I don't even know if you really know who you are. I don't even know if identity has been established. But freedom comes when flesh dies. You say, really, Justin, is that scriptural? I thought that happens when the clock strikes midnight and we end up on the pearly gates. Really, what Bible are you reading? Are you just rationalizing experiences because you look around? To all the others sitting in Egypt saying, well, this is normal. Or everybody else sitting in the wilderness saying, well, this is normal. Or are you actually letting the Word of God dwell in you richly and the Word of God shape your expectations? Or are you letting the world define expectations? Because it was for freedom that we were set free. 
It wasn't for the wilderness death. It was to die and they listen. And Joshua, man, the Lord showed me this nugget a few years ago. This is why I had to start a ministry of broken free. It's because I found this truth in Joshua 21. In Joshua 21, you should write this down and you should chew on it. This is the end of the chapter. I don't write verse 20, 30 something. I don't know, 20, 21, chapter 20. Listen, it says that when they had crossed the Jordan, everyone all says, well, yeah, but then there was Jericho. Yeah, who fought the battle of Jericho? That's a song you shouldn't sing to your kids. Because the Lord fought the battle of Jericho. Sorry. For real. For real. The psychology of man would have you say, oh, wait, oh, 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 we figured it out. How do we do it? We go around seven times for seven days, and then on the seventh day we go around 12 times, and then we shout, freedom. Follow me, because we're drinking that Kool-Aid if we're not careful. How did they do it? How did they do it? And then you do this, and then boop, boop, puff. Because we want steps. We want simple. We want, But death is not pretty. It's Jesus Christ thought not equality with God was something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant and became obedient to death. What? Even the death on the cross. In the garden where he was about to go to the cross, was he struggling? Yes. Struggling with his flesh. Father, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. But in the struggle with his flesh, he submitted, but not my will. How you need to do it, God. I am willing. It's going somewhere with that. Romans 8, 13. Oh, Joshua. Oh, my goodness. Joshua. Joshua. They're on the other side. You with me? With me? Jesus, bring them with you. Listen. On the other side of the Jordan in Joshua 21, it says this. Let this be breath of life, God. Breath of life. Fire of God. Release truth in this place. Joshua 21 says this, that the Lord gave them the land. The Lord removed their enemies. The Lord gave them rest. Ooh, they did. They figured it out. They made a good battle plan with nice walls and figured out where the... No, the Lord. David knew that going to fight Goliath. I go, but listen, the Lord who delivered me from the hand of the, the lion and the bear, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. The battle's not mine. Brothers and sisters, freedom, the death of the struggle is when you stop fighting because the Lord is your peace. The Lord is your portion. And guess what? That day I know that. You're like, well, wait, but when do I die? So you know you're dead when the struggle stops. I'm, God, that's been my testimony. You can ask my wife. You can ask the brothers that have been walking with me and broken free the last four years. The, the, the last 14 years of my, God is the one. That's, I, I got to go back. Not the last 14 years. I was married 14 years ago. Three years, I just lived for hell for myself. And the Lord began to set me free. It's been, I don't know, 10 years. Stop counting days. Stop, count, count, count proximity to the Spirit. Come on. Stop. Jesus didn't say, if you figure out all the messed up tangled roots, then you'll be free. He said, if you abide in me. The Lord will deliver you. It's not you, but Christ in you. What I was. It's the fruit of intimacy. 
Guys, listen. I wish. Believe me, I do. Because of the offense that I understand it to be to the Lord. Because of the hurt and pain I see in marriages. Because of the confusion that I see in our young people. I wish it would just be A plus B equals C. And we could mass market and duplicate this. But anybody that's married understands that there's a big distance between being married and experiencing marriage. Brothers, there's a big difference between being free and walking in freedom. The gap is bridged by intimacy. Intimacy. The cliche answer has become, oh, Justin, help me figure out my trigger so then I can da 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 No, the normal answer should be in- intimacy with the Lord, brother. Intimacy with the Lord, sister. Fall in love with Jesus. You must not love Jesus. I mean, that's the G- Jesus didn't say, look, I got the first and greatest commandment. Don't, don't be all sexually immoral. No, he said the first greatest commandment is to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. Romans said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, when I died to sin, when I was being drowned in the Word and raised up by the power and grace of God to a new man and a new life and a new wineskin, The reality was that I just had a new lover. And my yes to him was automatically a no to everything else. The difference between the freedom God has for you and where you might find yourself today is pressing in and believing God. The Bible says they didn't enter the promised land for lack of faith. Caleb said, hold on a second. Joshua said, hold on a second. By the way, Caleb waited 45 years. Do you know that? He waited 45 years until he received what he knew was promised. Some of us want to skip the wilderness. We think the deliverance takes us from free to freedom. Deliverance just establishes your identity and gets you out of Egypt. That's why God's in a deliverer. You are free. And as we learn to walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. Romans says, if by the Spirit, by, 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 by the psychology? No, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your flesh, you'll live. It's His work in you. I believe that the Lord wants to turn the lights on this morning and set those that have been bound by false identity free. So I want to talk and invite you to respond however the Lord would lead you. Because some of us are bound by lies right now. Maybe you're like me and you're lying and you just, man, you're the man. You're the man. No, I know that I ain't got nothing. Except through Christ, no good dwells in me. 
That's what Paul said. No good thing dwells in me. I don't have anything to tell you this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to let you know who you are. So if your identity has been telling you, man, maybe someone told you and you just believed your whole life that you're the jam and you don't need the Lord. Maybe the Lord is going to say, son, it's, you, no. <laughs> let me tell you how I see you so that you can be free. So that you can be free. So you can know who you are. And some of you have been lied to and said you're filthy, you're dirty, you're not good, you're this, you're that. And the Lord would say, you're my son. You're my son. I gave my son for you. You were worth it to me. And your identity needs to be established. Because here's the thing. When your identity is established, what you do no longer defines your identity. See, if you don't know who you are and you slip up or you mess up and you're in that struggle wilderness and you, you misstep and you decide to give in to flesh and you say, you know, I'm just going to go back. Once your identity is established, it doesn't go back to past that point where you then question who you are and your identity and you feel condemnation because you're not condemned in Christ. There's a renewal of your mind that happens. I'm just telling you that. Those of you who have been tormenting with dreams, there's a new mind. There's a new It's not like new. It's new. I don't think you... Lord, to help them understand. It's new. It's new. It's new. It doesn't have the attachment to those things. I can't even conjure up and think. It's new. It's new. Man, some of you just need to hear that. Let's all stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand and be, just continue to say, Lord, open my ears. Open my eyes. Because my question is, do you know who you are in Christ? Or do you need to have your identity established? The journey starts when you understand who you are. But maybe another second invitation, brothers and sisters, is maybe you've settled and you're calling normal what is not normal. Maybe you've settled. Maybe you're looking around and saying, hey, it's not that bad. It doesn't happen that often. Not hurting that many people. It's not that dark. These chains don't hurt too bad. And you don't understand the kindness and forbearance of the Lord. Don't take it for weakness. Let the kindness of God draw you to repentance. Because if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. But there's something that God set you free for that's more than perpetual, struggling, white-knuckling. The hope of the gospel is that there's freedom where the Lord removes your enemies, gives you what He promised you, the land He promised you, and gives you His rest. I know what it's like to be in the struggle. There is no rest in the struggle. But there is grace, hear me, there is grace to run with perseverance the race set before you through the wilderness unto the promised land. Don't settle on the plains of Kadesh when you were meant to settle in Canaan. Christ has set you free for freedom. Stop calling victory the end. Freedom is different than victory. 
Some of us are content with victory. I wasn't set free for victory. Victory was meant to propel me to freedom. I'm just going to pray. Uh, pray, ministry team, I'm, I'll call you up in a second. But right now, this is business between you and the Lord, brothers and sisters. You don't have to come forward. But don't bow to fear. You might need to kneel down right where you're at. You might need to come forward as an act of saying, God, I'm moving on from where I've been. And I'm stepping into what you've called me to, the fullness thereof. There's no shame in this place, brothers and sisters. There's no condemnation. If you need to come forward, then come forward. If you need to say, Lord, I want to make my identity right with you. I need to know who I am in you so that I don't question who you've called me to become. Then come. Come. If you need to say, Lord, I've been settling for struggling. And I've been calling it normal. And I've been rationalizing staying where I'm at. Then come. Today, if you hear his voice. Don't harden your hearts like they did in the wilderness. There's freedom. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask that you would come. I believe you wanted to light fires today, Lord. I believe you wanted to take cold flames and light them up. I believe, God, that you wanted to bring a refiner's fire. Not Not a consuming fire, God, but a refiner's fire, God. To your people, the people of God, I'm inviting you to do business with God right now. If you need to come forward, there's freedom to come forward right now. No prayer ministry team going to come pray with you right now. It's between you and the Lord. If you need to walk out of Kadesh, then come forward prophetically. Take and move from Kadesh to the plains of Canaan and say, God, I'm going to believe for the more. I'm not going to settle till the struggle dies because the life that I have is not my own. I've been bought with a price. And I will not sell myself or prostitute myself for less than I'm worth in your eyes, God. The price you paid was too great for me to settle and die in the wilderness. Some of us point to Paul and say, man, the good I want to do, I'm not doing. The things I want to do, I don't do. And we say, look, the struggle's normal. And we forget the end of that. He said, who's going to rescue me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who rescued us. Father, you have rescued your bride. But the truth, the sexual immorality, sexual purity, confusion, the love of self. These things, the power of sin against these has been broken in Jesus' name. Chains be broken now in Jesus' name. Fear be broken now. I'm speaking to husbands and wives. Fear be broken now. Hope be restored now in Jesus' name. Don't shun the process. Embrace the process of dying. Stop telling God how he's got to do 
his job, when his goal is to raise up his name, to glorify himself in his bride. We are the body of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Right now, shame and condemnation. Bow the name of Jesus. Identities be established in the love of Jesus. Expectations be aligned with truth now in the name of Jesus. For I know, this came to me this morning as I was praying, and I declare it to you. Let it be the truth that you hold on to. For I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep me from falling until the day of Christ. There's freedom for the captives. There is a death to the struggle men. Let's just all raise our hands together. And let's just pray. The Spirit of the Lord will continue to move and convict His body, His church, His bride of His perspective. Let's just pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking that you would convict your people of your perspective. That we would stop settling for victory and confusion and struggle when you set us free for freedom. I ask God that you would do whatever it takes to have all that you paid for. Don't let me settle for less than you paid for. I present my body as a living sacrifice. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you renew minds. That you give a new heart. That you give a new mind. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. For more information about Threshold Church, visit the website at threshold-church.com.